So let's hop into the word today. As you know, we have been for the last few weeks uh, in a series called Shift Changing for Impact. Shift Changing for Impact. And so this week uh, will be the final week of this series. And I'm excited about what God has shared with us over these past few weeks, these past few sermons. Um, and so we want to uh, move forward and close out this series today looking at a text that I know we've looked at before. Um, familiar text for us from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to lift up two verses from Isaiah chapter 43. It should be appearing on your screen uh, momentarily. Isaiah chapter 43 from the English Standard Version, beginning at verse 18, just a couple of verses today, uh, says this. Uh, this is um, the prophet speaking on behalf of God, saying that the Lord is saying this to the people in verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be unto God for God's word. Listen, for the time that we have together today. I would like to take a moment to tag um, this final installation of this series, uh, Shift Changing for Impact, with the topic, God's Next Move. God's Next Move. God's Next Move. To read the book of Isaiah in its entirety is to get a glimpse into the different characteristics of God. The first section through chapter 39 details God as judge jury and sentencer of a people who have struggled with their faithfulness to God. The division and disobedience seem to become a way of life for these people, even as God sent warnings through the prophets. Despite their consistent breaking of the established covenant with God, God did not, however, leave them hopeless, but sent word through the prophet, uh, in particular in our text, the prophet Isaiah, that exile wouldn't last forever, and that there was hope for their future. God was allowing judgment to take place in this moment, but he also showed that there was a light at the end of the tunnel for a renewed relationship with God, who had proven over their history to be their keeper, their sustainer, their provider, and their savior. This is indeed the character of God that is revealed as we uh, transition from chapter 39 into chapter 40. There's a noticeable change in tone where scholars label the second section of the book of Isaiah, um, chapters 40 through 66, label it second Isaiah. It is in this section that we see a compassionate, caring, and comforting God. Here, God unveils the plan of deliverance that God is constructing for Israel. God has forgiven their faithful, faithlessness and is ready to move forward in rebuilding this and reestablishing them to their place uh, as the chosen nation of God. However, the people have been disconnected for, from God for so long for this place of temporary pain and temporary punishment uh, and judgment even for their faithless behavior in generations past to now become their permanent position. They, they've allowed this place of exile, which is supposed to be a temporary thing, become their permanent position and disposition. Their oppression had been so intense 
that it had almost completely stripped them of the ability to recognize and trust that God would lead them to their deliverance. This generation of the nation of Israel knew the history of what God had done, but they struggled to accept God's overtures of God's continuing revelation as told through the prophet. Chapter 43 begins with reminders about God's view of the Israelites. God's people are precious in God's sight, and God's people are going to be witnesses to God's glory. The oppression of the nation of Israel under the hand of the Babylonian Empire caused the people of Israel to question if God even cared about them. Yet God reassures the people through the prophet that they are indeed God's people, so much so that God was willing to sacrifice to protect them and to keep them. God says that God has been with them in the hard times and will be with them as God brings them to their deliverance. Because of the everlasting presence of God with his people, God uh, says that it is their testimony of a God who has kept them and blessed them through many generations that will serve as witnesses to who God is for the nations around them that would dare to compare the gods of wood and of stone to the creator of the universe. And as we reach our text today, God is seeking to reassure them that all is not lost. And God has yet another move to end their oppression by Babylon and, more importantly, another move to return them to their promises of the covenant relationship. Yet the people in the text, the people in the text are struggling to see that salvation is on the way because Israel has been a nation um, which knows its historical tradition in which God has acted on their behalf. These great acts of God established the Israelites as a nation, um, and they came through the Exodus story. God uses Moses and Aaron to bring forth great plagues on the Egyptian empire that pressed Pharaoh into releasing the people from their oppression and their slavery. And not only had God arranged for their release, but when Pharaoh changed his mind and had the Israelites trapped uh, with Pharaoh's army coming behind them in the Red Sea in front of them, God opened up a highway for them in the middle of the sea and allowed the people to cross over and then kill the Egyptian army by drowning them and closing the sea over them before they could catch the Israelites as they crossed over to the other side. Uh, but this was a great deliverance for the nation of Israel. But for the current generation who was now in Babylonian exile or living in the rubble of Jerusalem, they were still expecting God to send plagues and to open up waterways to deliver them from their exile. If God wasn't working in the manner that God had worked for their foreparents, they were hard-pressed to accept the fact that God could use new methods to bring about the redemption of his people, Israel. Their exile had jaded their perspective of what God could do, and their history had become a hindrance to accepting the new thing that God was working out on their behalf. Hence the question posed to the prophet, um, I am doing a new thing. It's on the way. Can you not? perceive it. And over the course of the last few weeks, we've dealt sermonically with the fact that we are in a season and in a point in time that requires us to shift. There will be things that we are called to do differently. There are people that we are called to connect with in new and non-traditional ways. There are good things that we will have to let go of for the sake of the things that God has called for us to do in this season. We have to take some time to allow the word to be a mirror to show us ourselves and to allow the word to be water to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. 
There are changes we have to make so that we can live out our faith at the intersections of life and embrace the change and how God desires to move in us and through us as individuals and as a community of faith. And in this season of an emerging reality, um, new reality rather for us all, we know that there have been some good days and some bad days. There have been some challenging days and some easy days. There's some, been some times of plenty and times of lack, times where everything seemed like it was coming together and times we were sure enough, uh, sure that it was falling apart. We've been through so much in these last 18 months. We've survived so much, experienced so much, and even, yes, accomplished so much uh, for some of us we were lucky to make it to this point and still be alive and in our right mind and for others of us in the midst of the challenges things have worked out well in our favor uh, in the midst of the chaos in the midst of the madness there have been the end of relationships and there have been good relationships there have been the end of our livelihoods and there have been promotions and good job situations there have been health challenges and health uh, and, and overcoming health uh, situations there have been uh, just good life in bad moments in life and for many of us some for many of us we've had a little bit of both some of us have been in between just glad to make it from one day to the next we've taken some major hits but also have had some major gains we've dealt with some major obstacles but have also had some major opportunities and even as we discover this unknown and emerging reality of what life on the other side of this pandemic season is life we have to be careful because the history of what hap has happened can easily become our hang-up. That's right. You ought to type that in the comments that we have to be careful because our history can become our hang-ups. There is a point, in that, in a point where instead of reflecting on the past, we can take up residence in the past. Our future and our present can be locked out of our lives because if it doesn't live up to our nostalgic idea of how things were in the past, then we don't want it. The baggage from our past can also uh, easily become a barrier to us moving into our present and our future. Uh, it is that which has been that becomes the stumbling block for what can be. On one hand, we can get stuck in the quicksand of reliving past hurts and before we know it, uh, we are stuck in a spiral of bad attitudes, bad behavior, and an idea that nothing life has nothing more to offer us than pain and suffering. Our default mindset becomes one that everything that happens is going to be bad. We're always looking for the angle that people are taking with us. We're always expecting that people will manipulate us or that a situation will hurt us and not work out for our good. We anticipate the doctor's report will be bad. We become paranoid in our relationships with friends and families. Every day at work becomes a bad day. Conversely, even the good things, we can get stuck looking back at our success and trying to relive what was good in a previous and presently non-existent season of life and we can end up y'all with a bad case of what I call the used to's you all you ever had the used to's yeah every statement is about what we used to have how we used to do it or where we used to go how great it used to be we can fo much we can focus so much on used to that we can miss out on can do and will do we often can find 
find ourselves settling in the good of the past when good, better, and even greater are waiting for us in our present and in our future. A part of the issue that I've discovered with dwelling in the past is that it provides the illusion of control. It provides for us the illusion of control. It is human nature to want it to be in a position of power, to want to be at the control sticks of our lives. But our control is limited today over over today and over tomorrow. It is not guaranteed. But living in the past, we think we it fools us into thinking that we can be in control because we can control how we remember it. We can control what was said and what folks what folks uh what happened in a situation. And we avoid dealing with the uncertainty and the discomfort by exerting control over where we are, where we were rather, instead of embracing where we are. This illusion of control can provide uh, and prove to be problematic when we try to exert yesterday's control on today's reality and tomorrow's opportunity. Listen, the illusion of control, I'm going to say it one more time, is problematic because what we do is we try to control yesterday and exert that control over today and over tomorrow. And it jades the way we look at people. It jades the way we look at situations which if we had the right perspective could be beneficial to us and allow us to experience something that we have never experienced before. We project onto the old, we project the old onto the new, trying to get the new to operate under some unfair, unachievable, and unreal standard. This illusion of control is the way that some of us end up not striving to achieve because of what we have already done, uh, because what we already have done and accomplished, we think that that is uh, enough. It is why there are some of us who are stuck in the pain of yesterday. It is why some of us can't move forward because we faced, we uh, refuse to face the reality of the pain of yesterday, to deal with the pain, to move through the pain, and to let it go so that we can move forward and become better. Uh, yet, regardless of our age, regardless of our stage in life, there is still yet more that the Lord has for us if we are open to what God desires to do. The reality is that when we take up residence in the past, we lose awareness of what God is doing right now. When we take up residence in the past, we lose awareness of what God is doing right now. And perhaps one of the most significant impediments to our future success is our loss of expectation and anticipation for what God will do. We have missed out on many opportunities because we've been so focused on what has, on what has happened and not what is happening. There's a saying that there's a reason that the rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield because life happens in front of us. We can give quick glances to what is behind us, but if we are attentive to what is happening before us, but we are not attentive, rather, to what is happening before us, we'll end up in an accident. And for too many of us, that's our testimony, that we've spent too much time comparing this boo to the last boo, that we've messed up a chance for great love and happiness. We spent so much time focused on what the last leader did and that, and that it caused drama with the new leader. We spent so much time on the mistakes made in the past 
past that we keep on making new, we keep on making the same mistakes in the present. Y'all looking back is fine for a moment. It's fine for a glance in the rear view mirror. But the move of God in the last season was for the last season. God is up to something new. And if we're going to change for impact in our homes and in our churches and in our careers and in our communities, then we have to be attentive and aware of what God is up to right now. Our desire should be to live on the cutting edge of the movement of God for this season and the next, not to lag behind by dwelling in what has already happened. And the text today, I think, is helping us because it's trying to teach us that while we celebrate what God has done, we should be watchful for God's next move. You ought to type that in the comment. I'm watching for God's next move. What does the text tell us about God's next move? It tells us that God's next move is going to be a power move. God's next move is a power move. Check the text, verses 16 and 17. The author introduces God using a poetic description of the Exodus narrative. Then, in the very next verses, God says, forget the former things and don't dwell in the past. I am doing a, a new thing. Y'all, this is a troubling dynamic for me in the text as I read through the text again and again it always troubles me it, it bothers me because how through the first 17 verses of chapter 43 are we reminded about the great things that God has done but then immediately at the top of verse number 18 God says forget those things for, for the Israelites in exile it was their history that was blinding them to the next move that God wanted them to make that God wanted to make here God is essentially singing that I showed you my power then but what is to come will be different but just as powerful in action and you will be a living witness to it check it out y'all the Israelites were only reliving in their minds the stories of what had been passed down to them for generations but God says listen I showed my power back then for that generation but I'm doing something new for your generation and it's gonna be just as powerful and you won't have to live off the stories of what somebody else did of what grandmama and great-grandmama experienced but you can have your own testimony about the powerful move of God in your life the Israelites were focused on the method that God would use to free them they they wanted the God of the exodus to show up again they were looking for God to reveal God's self in a manner that God had already been revealed but God is saying to them I've already done the exodus for your four parents and it's not about the way I deliver, but it's about the fact that I have the power to deliver you any way I see fit. And perhaps one of the biggest hangups that stop us from seeing and participating in the next move of God in our lives is that it doesn't look like anything we are accustomed to. That's right. It doesn't look like what we're accustomed to. It's not familiar. Y'all know we are creatures of habit that are comfortable when things work out in ways that we expect. Expected. It is the unexpected and the unknown that troubles us and unsettles us. Yet as we walk with God as individuals and as a church community, we ought to be walking 
expecting that God will reveal God's self to us in new ways, that God would do it different for us than he did it for generations past. It's not always about the method that God uses, but it's about the power that God displays as God is working things out on our behalf. Y'all, there's a story uh, about a son and a father who were out riding their brand new bicycles on Christmas Day. Uh, and as they rode uh, through some heavily wooded paths, uh, there was a large oak branch that had fallen, uh, blocking the path on which they were riding. The son uh, excitedly jumped off his bike and yelled, I got it, Dad. He sounds like Jameson. Uh, he jumped off and said, I can do it. I can do it myself. And so the father sat back on his bike and watched the son as he tried his best to move this heavy and large branch but was unable to get it to budge. The father then asked the son, are you using all of your power? Uh, out of breath, the son said, yes, I'm using all of my power. And the father let him work a little bit more and asked him again, son, are you using all of your power? The son responded, yes, but I can't get it to move. The father watched his son a little while longer and said to him, you aren't using all of your power, son, because you haven't asked me. Come here. The danger that we face is that doubting that God has the power to act on our behalf causes us to believe that we can handle things by ourselves, that we can deal with the large oak branches that fall in our path on our own. And we try to do it in our own power. But y'all, we can't achieve the will of God by taking the power from the hands of an all-powerful God. The things that God desires to get accomplished in and through our lives happen as a result of our cooperation with God. The prophet tells Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah rather tells us that God has a plan for our lives. One, to bring prosperity, hope, and a future. However, the plan is not our plan. It is God's plan. And God's plan is only achieved through God's power. You ought to type that in the comments. That's good. The plan is God's plans. And God's plans can only be achieved through God's power. Our only frame of reference for God's power, however, is what God has already done. We've seen God's power to heal, deliver, protect, uh, provide, and restore. We know God can do it, but we can't box God and power into working the same way all the time. The simplicity of recognizing the power of God. In Paul's simple statement, uh, it comes in Paul's simple statement that says this, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And the amazing thing about this power of God is that it shows up in ways that we would never expect and does things that we could never anticipate it because the power of God is everlasting. The power of God is transformative. The power of God is always being revealed to us in new ways. And we are when we are stuck looking into what God has done, we will miss the power of God on display in the current season of our lives. And I just believe that the same power that God used before will show up again in this emerging season. I just believe today that God's power still heals, that God's power still delivers, that God's power still protects, that God's power still provides, that God's power still can restore. And I am full of expectation today. And I hope that you will join me in raising your level of expectation that God's power will blow our minds, that God's power will exceed our imaginations and overwhelm our existence. And the sooner that we can shift our perspective from how 
how it happened to who made it happen we will see the power of God at work in some amazing and mind-blowing ways and you ought to type it in the comments right now and declare today God I want to see your power God I want to see your power in the next move of God it's gonna be a power move God's next move will be a power move but it'll also be a creative move God's next move will be a creative move verses 16 to 17 the exodus narrative is described and then in verse 19 it says God is doing a new thing then God describes the new thing as making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland for the Israelites to be delivered from the Babylonians they would have to cross a desert this was starkly different than what the Egyptian escape was like in this God was showing that God has to be creative about every circumstance because every situation was different the dynamic nature of God was such that God could create new ways for escape in places that didn't exist before God had already done the exodus, but now God was presenting a unique way for the people to be delivered that was specific to the context in which they existed. Here the Israelites were expecting God to move the same old way. They wanted the God of the escape from Egypt to show up and break them out of their Babylonian exile. Many times we can have the same issue, y'all. God is ready and in the process of doing a new thing for us. But we miss it because it isn't the same as what God did during our exodus season. What God did back then was great. And, but even at that point, God was working on what we needed for the place we are in now. Because God isn't just the God of our past, but God is the God of our future. God is consistently working out ways that we don't even know need to be made. When we keep looking from the move of God from yesterday, we are disconnecting ourselves from the spirit of God that is working in our lives right now and preparing us for what God desires to do in the future. The creative power of God is released based on the context of the circumstances. And here's what, genius, here's what is genius, y'all, that I've discovered about how God moves. God works in the future. So that actually what is manifesting in our lives right now is the past for God. Let me say it one more time. God works in the future. So that what is manifesting in our lives right now is actually the past for God. This means that God is aware of what circumstance is coming our way and is already creating a way to handle the situation. This is why the prophet told the people in Isaiah 55, that the ways of the Lord, the ways of the Lord's thought are not our thoughts, and the ways uh, of the Lord are not our ways. Both the thoughts and the ways of the Lord are higher than ours. What God is working out on our behalf, and, and, and how God is working it out on our behalf can't be comprehended by our minds. We, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know how this next season is going to work out. But what we do know is that we have a God who operates outside of our markings of time. God is not constrained by our calendar. He is not uh, limited by our, by our concept of time. But, who, but he's a God that can create ways out of no way. We, we have a God who opens doors that 
no one could see. We have a God who turns the situations and the schemes that were meant to do us harm and uses them for our God. We have a God who holds tomorrow in God's hands. The same God that created the world out of nothing. The same God that pressed the restart on creation with the great flood. The same God that used a burning bush and bloody water to bury the Egyptian army at sea. The same God. You know that God today. The same God that healed your body. The same God that pulled you from death's door. The same God that sent the right person at the right time to love your broken heart. The same God that turned less than what you needed into more than enough time and time again. The same God is working out tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that right now. And while we while uh, we know that while we are struggling to figure out um, figure everything out God has already worked it out for us and while we try to predict what God is doing now God is already on God's next move for our lives story as we close as a story two men standing in front of a painting called checkmate in an art gallery you may have heard this story before and in the painting the man uh, is playing chess with the devil the man He's playing chess with the devil, and the devil is grinning ear to ear because he has the man cornered. The title of the painting, Checkmate, indicates that the game is over. It it indicates that the devil has won because the man, the opponent, has no more moves. The first man looking at the painting wants to move on to other paintings in the gallery. But the second man, he was an international chess champion. Uh, He wants to look at the painting longer. Uh, And so he waves his friend on. He tells him, go on and catch up later. And he stands uh, and studies the painting. He looks uh, at the painting intently, studying the pieces uh, on the board. The chess champion, he stares, he steps back, he stares at the chess board. And he steps back and realizes something. He yells out loudly, interrupting the quiet of the museum. He yells out, it's wrong, it's wrong. There's one more move. Uh, He runs to his friend and they come back and look at the painting together and he says we have to contact the painter uh, because the game is not at checkmate because the king has one more move. It's just like that king. When we are boxed in the good news is that we serve a God who always has one more move. Uh, We had one more move uh, when he sent Jesus into uh, the world. We had one more move when it looked like the covenant wasn't going to work out for humanity. He had one more move when all of the sacrifices of lambs and goats weren't working to bring restoration between God and humanity. And so he sent his son down to 40 and two generations because he had one more move. And even as Jesus made his way from the Garden of Gethsemane up the Via Dolorosa down to a hill called Calvary, as he made his way carrying the cross on his back, being nailed to an unbarked sycamore tree. Uh, It looked like the game was over. Uh, It looked like the devil had won because they nailed Jesus to a cross. And on that Friday, uh, Jesus died. uh, And he died that caused the sky to go black. He died that caused the sun to refuse to shine. Uh, He died and it caused the earthquake in the earth because it looked like it was over. The disciples were in hiding. His mama and them were mourning and preparing 
bring burial spices for him. Uh, but what uh, the devil didn't know uh, is that he had gotten his moves wrong uh, and that there was one more move uh, that God had. Uh, and that move came earlier uh, on the first day of the week uh, when Jesus got up uh, with all power in his hands. Uh, it didn't look like anything uh, that the world had experienced before. Uh, but Jesus got up uh, fully human uh, and fully divine uh, and was resurrected uh, and now gives that resurrection power unto us so that it, when it looks like we are boxed in, when it looks like we are trapped, when it looks like life has called checkmate on us, we serve a God that has one more move. When it looks like our backs are against the wall, we serve a God that's got one more move because we have a God that can't be trapped. We serve a God that can't be limited. We serve a God that can't be locked up because we serve a God that always has another move because what God did for us yesterday was great. We celebrate the way God moved in seasons past but God's next move y'all is going to be God's best move. God's next move is going to blow our minds. God's next move is going to make ways for us and open doors for us and open possibilities for us that we never expected or anticipated so we can leave the past behind us. We can celebrate it, but we don't have to stay there and live there. And we can shift our focus onto what is ahead because of God, because God has already gone before us to make streams in the desert for our deliverance. Yeah, before he made a highway in the ocean, but this time he's going to put water in the desert so that as he's moving us along, we'll have all that we need. And our testimony will be the same as the Apostle Paul who declared that I'm forgetting what is behind me, straining toward what is ahead. I press toward the mark of the high calling, which is in Jesus Christ. Or we can look towards God's next move for our lives because our latter will be greater than the former. We can look towards God's next move for our life because tomorrow will be brighter than yesterday. We can look toward God's next move for our life because God is doing a new thing. God is doing a fresh thing. God is doing a relevant thing. God is doing a right now thing. God is doing an in the future thing. And we can celebrate the fact that God is moving right now on our behalf. And so we have to learn to shift. That when God moves, we've got to shift. When God opens the door, we've got to shift. When God makes opportunity available, we've got to shift. When God speaks, we've got to shift. When we have to stay expecting that God will do great things for us and anticipating God's powerful and creative movement in our lives. So stay watchful, stay prayerful, stay prepared, and stay believing that God is working it out right now for you. And if you believe it right now, you ought to take just a moment to type it in the comments. I'm waiting on God's next move. God move in my life. God move in my family. God help me to shift so I can see what you are doing. God help me to move. And if you're ready to expect and anticipate God to do something great, you want to open up your mouth, lift your hands, and give God your best praise. Give him your best praise.
But God's next move, I, I don't know about you, but as we go from year two to year three of working together as pastor, pastor and people, I'm excited about what God is going to do. Because God's got great things, things that God has shown us, things that God has yet to reveal to us. But God, God's, God has great things in store for you. Great things in store for me. Great things in store for us. Great things in store for our church and our community. But we've got to make sure that we shift so that we can change, so that we can have the impact of the Lord working in us and through us to do amazing things in the life of the world and expand the kingdom of God. God's got some, I know it doesn't look like it right now. I know the cancer treatment has got you discouraged and frustrated. I know the building condition has got you in a moment of down and frustration. I know the fact that you haven't been able to gather and worship in the corporate space in the sanctuary has got you down. I know coronavirus messed up all your plans over the last two years. But God is working something out. It's going to be greater. God is moving in amazing ways. So don't let your frustration be the place where you land. Be frustrated. It's all right. Be upset. Be angry in the moment. But don't forget to place your faith in the one who holds tomorrow. The one who has it all under control. God's next move is going to be God's best move. I believe it and I declare it for us today. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for the witness of this text, for the witness of your interaction with the Israelite people that reminds us that you are the not dynamic God who is ever changing, ever shifting, ever moving, ever working things out ahead of us. That you are making ways, that you are opening doors, that you are closing doors, that you are aligning relationships and connections, that you are putting us exactly where we need to be now for what it is that you have in store for us. God, help us today to shift our perspective so that we can see the great things that you are doing, so that we can be in a position of expectation and anticipation for the great moves that you have for our lives. God, help us today so that we don't live in the place of looking for how you moved before, but God, so that we can expect you to just look for how you're going to move in front of us. God, we're grateful that you're a God who always has another move, that we're never trapped, we're never boxed in, we're never in checkmate, because you've always got one more move. God, now we pray for someone who's watching this today that needs to get connected with Jesus Christ. It's our prayer that they would choose today to say yes unto you. In fact, God, that was the next move in, in their life today that you were making in their life connecting them and having them be in this place in this space for worship today giving this this chance and compelling them to say yes to you by saying yes to Jesus God we pray that you would move on their hearts and not leave them alone until they say yes unto you God also today we pray for one who needs to rededicate their lives to you God that they would reorient and shift and not get caught up in the fact that they don't think that they're good enough that they made a mistake but God recognize God that your move of love is one that's always ready to accept us and to welcome us home God 
they would say yes to returning unto your fold, God. And even for those that may be watching that want to partner with our church in this season, God, we pray that they will respond to that urge and that call by your spirit today. God, help us to raise our level of expectation for what you can do and what you will do. God, open our eyes to where you are moving in our lives. We thank you, God. We honor you and we love you. It's in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.